Welcome to Vision of Zion. The date today is October the 10th, 2022. I'm Craig Perry, and this is episode number 19. We're going to start talking about the last days. And this is going to be a foundational podcast about how I approach the topic, how I'm going to approach the topic on the podcast, and hopefully share some insights with you. As I mentioned previously, when I was first starting the podcast, my goal is not necessarily to rehash what other people have said about the prophecies concerning the last days, but to try and offer some unique insights that you may not have considered before that hopefully adds to the, your body of knowledge. I know that everybody coming onto the podcast to listen is coming in from different religions or different backgrounds or a different understanding of the scripture. So I'm going to start basic and I'm going to build from there. So let's start with the Old Testament. That's what the Christians call the 40 books contained in, for example, the King James Version. We call it the Old Testament, but it's not known by as the Old Testament to the Jews from which this book and these writings originated. They use an acronym for it. It's called the Tanakh, and that is spelled T-A-N-A-K-H. It is an acronym of three letters, T for Torah, which is the law, and please forgive my pronunciation. The N is for Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and then Ketuvim is for the writings. So the Torah, or Torah, is five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, known as the five books of Moses. And then we have the prophets. We have both major and minor prophets. My understanding is that the word major just means the prophetic books are longer, such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. But then the longer, the shorter books, excuse me, are the minor prophets, and they're composed of chapters. It's of shorter, I think it's under 15 chapters, is considered minor. And then finally, the Ketuvim, or Ketuvim, however it's pronounced, includes the writings like Psalms, Proverbs, the Book of Job, Ecclesiastes, Esther, etc. My focus is going to be on the prophetic books that appear to have references to the last days. And frankly, prophecies about the latter days are scattered throughout all three of these sections of the Tanakh. You find prophecies among the law. You find prophecies, of course, in the prophetic books. And then even some things found in, for example, Psalms has things about the last days. Now for me, the books that I'm going to focus on, because that's where I have my, maybe some understanding, is the book of Isaiah, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, and then scattered through the 12 minor prophets, there's a bunch of really important and good prophecies. For example, I'll be referring to Micah chapter 5. So that covers the Judeo-Christian body of literature. And then let's move into the New Testament. For Christians, there are several passages there. For example, we're going to cover Matthew chapter 24. This is the prophecy of the last days that Jesus shared with his disciples. 
And that same chapter or the contents of that chapter are also in other of the four Gospels, namely Mark chapter 13 and Luke chapter 21. Let me pause for a minute and talk about Matthew chapter 24 and why we're going to use that version. This particular chapter has special importance for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because Joseph Smith, while reviewing the uh, Bible for potential uh, translation errors or omissions, provided some important tweaks to the book, which then became incorporated into the Pearl of Great Price. And I'd like to take a pause for a minute and talk about this just briefly. After the completion of the Book of Mormon, which we believe Joseph Smith brought forward through the gift and power of God, he was commanded to go through the Bible and make changes. But I, I believe it went much farther than that. I believe that not everything he, he wrote down as he went through the process of looking at the Bible was simply a correction or returning the text to its original form. I believe that much of what he did was inspired commentary to the Bible and, and some of the passages may not have necessarily ever been there or the words are clarifications. So I have a much broader picture of what he was asked by the Lord to do and so we're going to be referring to those changes or editorial comments, if you will. You know, it's complicated to say what the word translation means. It's a very broad term when we're speaking about Joseph Smith's ability as a prophet, seer, and revelator. What I want you to do, for those of you who don't believe or know of Joseph Smith or believe he is a prophet called by God, at the very least, um, pay attention to what he says about various scriptures because, because he provides insights that I don't think anybody else has done as good of a job as he has in many of these areas. So if you're looking for additional insights by someone who I believe is inspired of God, I would highly recommend that you ponder and pray about the things that he has either amended or appended you know, to these verses of scripture about the last days. He did the same thing for the book of Revelation, which I've mentioned in prior podcasts, and we'll look at those as well. And I'll try and be very clear when I am referring to the Bible as it is currently written or his additional insights. Other verses of scripture in the New Testament that refer to the last days are scattered throughout some of the writings of the apostles and the missionary Paul. I'm thinking specifically of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which we'll be talking about. And then, of course, we get to the granddaddy of them all, the book of Revelation. that was placed at the end of the New Testament and is extremely important in looking at future end times. Once we've covered the Bible prophecies, we're going to then turn to the, the body of uh, additional prophetic or alleged prophetic writings of Joseph Smith. Those are contained in the Doctrine and Covenants. That particular book is comprised of several sections. They're called sections and are numbered one through, I've lost track, 138 uh, sections. Most all of them are based on things that Joseph Smith said that were written down by scribes primarily. Uh, I think there's maybe one or two writings in there that are 
the product of other person or persons. But there's some good stuff in there, like section 45 about the last days is really good. And then <clears throat> we're going to turn our attention to the Pearl of Great Price. I've already mentioned Matthew 24 was actually included in that book because of the significant changes that were made to Matthew 24 by Joseph Smith. But also, the book of Moses contains really important prophecies about the last days as it describes the days of Enoch. Now, Enoch is, turns out he's a major prophet historically, and we know that from the Dead Sea Scrolls and the book of Enoch, which has been around and was present at the time of Christ. Enoch receives very little treatment in the Old Testament in the Tanakh. Why is that? Well, scholars like Margaret Barker try and address that issue. She's a Methodist. Uh, I think she was a, a minister or pastor, but she also was a, is a great scholar about these writings that are not so much emphasized in the Tanakh, but yet they're very much a part of the old world literature. When Joseph Smith was using the gift and power of God to go through the Bible, it also appears that he received revelations about this prophet Enoch and others, of course, but mainly Enoch. And in the book of Moses, in the Pearl of Great Price, we see some beautiful writings about Enoch and what the Lord told him about the last days. So we're going to go there too. And Brother Nibley has, Hugh Nibley, a scholar for the church who passed away a few years ago when he was in his 90s, did some parallel studies between books of Enoch and the book of Moses. Um, you'll be interested to find out that the book of Enoch was not well known at the time that Joseph Smith was in the process of receiving these revelations. And I'm not even sure if they're sure whether a, a copy of the book was either in the Americas at the time he received these revelations or whether he had access to them. But the parallels between what he says and what the book of Enoch says, they are striking parallels. There's a whole book written by, or actually the book wasn't written by Hugh Nibley, but it was compiled by the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, which is called Farms. At the time, it was an independent group. And if you go to their series of books, which are collections of writings and teachings by uh, Hugh Nibley, Dr. Nibley, you'll see that there's a whole volume devoted to Enoch the Prophet. In fact, it is volume two of the collected works of Hugh Nibley. I would also recommend the writings of Margaret Barker. You can go to her website, margaretbarker.com, and she wrote a book called The Lost Prophet, The Book of Enoch and Its Influence on Christianity. It's a fascinating book. Now, obviously, I won't be able to go through all of this in today's podcast, but I wanted to lay a foundation of what I intend to cover and how I intend to approach it. I do believe I have received some insights as I pondered and prayed over many years uh, concerning these writings. And, you know, look, we all know that the world is in a state of transition. Politically, economically, spiritually, we have polarization and contention on a scale that I haven't seen since I was a kid in the 60s. And then I was too young to really appreciate what was going on. I think the upheavals now are even more pronounced and more serious than ever before. 
And I truly believe that it's important that we understand the scriptures about the last days in which we are living. If you don't believe we are in the last days, then you're going to really want to pay attention as you see parallels in the scriptures to the very events that are currently unfolding. At the time this recording is being done, we are in the eighth month of a war between Ukraine and Russia. We have inflation rates we haven't seen since the, I guess they said 40 years it's been now. We have worldwide instability and people leaving their countries to find safer places to live, trying to escape the economic collapse or the tyrannical rule of totalitarianism in various countries. We have weapons of mass destruction on a scale we've never had ever in the history of the world and the technology to implement these types of weapons for use against people. We're talking nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons. And we have economic tools combined with technological abilities, which frankly set the stage or for the first time make possible the revelations become a reality, which in the past seemed like the craziest type of predictions. Said better or said differently, all of the prophecies which explain future events can now be understood and explained with the implements of war and technology and ability that could not have been foreseen or imagined, except prophetically, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. We'll talk about Revelation 13 sometime because there are some things in there that seemed impossible, which now there's no doubt that we have all of the tools necessary to see Revelation 13 become reality. Now, I believe that the revelations contained in the Bible and the other ones we're going to discuss are to some extent conditional, meaning if we do certain things, we can avoid these problems. What am I saying? I'm talking about good old repentance, humbling ourselves, agreeing with the Lord to change our misconduct, and then seeking forgiveness and inspiration from the Holy Ghost to guide us on a path of righteousness. So the horrors and the atrocities which are laid out in the scriptures are, if we don't listen, if we don't change, if we don't repent, even assuming that not everybody will repent, we can certainly soften the landing or perhaps make these events less severe if we do our part in both living righteously and in encouraging and influencing others to live righteously. I don't know about you, but I find myself in need of daily repentance. Repentance is perhaps the most amazing part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The realization that through the help of the Holy Ghost and the help of the Lord that we can change and we can overcome our natural tendencies. I want you to know that yesterday, Sunday, after church, I came into my office and I recorded two hours of what I thought would be podcast number 19, but it was just too packed of information. I went on too long. I came in today and said, I've got to redo this and put it into more bite-sized pieces for you. For those of you who are seeking the truth and for perhaps starting from the point of not believing if there's a God or believing for sure there is no God, just look at these scriptures of ver these verses of scripture 
and ponder them because they were written in many cases millennia ago and they should not be able to predict future events if they are not true. That's just a logical foothold. But ultimately, you need to feel the Holy Spirit guiding you to get answers. We have a beautiful scripture given by the Lord to Joseph Smith, which says that many people are kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. So if you don't know where to find the truth, this is a way to know, is to pray and ask God for help and guidance. On another level, those of you who are uh, religious but have not considered Jesus Christ and the message of Jesus Christ and the Atonement, there's a ton of information in the scriptures about him. I believe part of the confusion between Jews and Christians is that there are things about Messiah in the Tanakh that have not yet been fulfilled. And to some extent, Jews are justified in saying, well, to Jesus do this, to Jesus do that. The Messiah we are looking for is not found in the mortal man, Jesus of Nazareth. But what we have to understand and encourage to see is that Jesus comes in two parts. There is the mortal Jesus who is on the earth and many of the prophecies, for example, Isaiah chapter 53, fit him to a T. But some of the more profound parts of his latter-day mission, the second coming, and the events leading up to that have not occurred. And so they're saying, well, it can't be this person. Uh, and in between those two is this thing called resurrection, the ability to rise from the grave, which is, you know, for many people, quite a big pill to swallow. Nevertheless, it did happen. And we have the testimony of his disciples, his apostles, his followers, many of whom witnessed his resurrection. The Book of Mormon talks about him visiting people there, a relatively small group of 2,500, at least initially, who thrust their hands into his wounds, in his hands, in his wrists, and his feet, and testify that he did, in fact, rise from the dead. The implications of this are extremely profound for all of mankind and warrant your prayerful and thoughtful investigation. And finally, I am going to present information about Joseph Smith Jr.'s impressions and insights. Someday I'm going to tell you exactly why I believe in my heart of hearts that he was a prophet of the living God, the same as the ancient prophets. But again, that's another level for you to consider. At least what I want you to do is consider that he's inspired or made inspired commentary. I, I've read of other people from other religions who have had insights and they've been very helpful and comparing. So I hope you'll keep an open mind. I was listening to a pastor who was investigating our church and he went to general conference, uh, which was about 10 days ago now. And I liked what he said. He wants to be curious and not contentious. And I hope that all of us will remain curious and open to receive additional truth. Uh, we should be able to embrace all truth no matter its source because eventually all truth will be fit, will fit together and will not be contradictory. The Savior Jesus Christ, he is the key. 
as one of the prophets of the Book of Mormon said that he writes to persuade people to believe in Christ. And if you don't believe his writings, still believe in Jesus Christ. And that is my message today. I hope that you'll prepare yourself for delving into the prophecies of the Old and New Testament in the upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.